Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Real Royal Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today for our Week 5 preview by Mr. Kyle DeVorczyk, Mr. Denny Carter. We are going to break down the entire slate, including Jaguars, Bills, and London, 49ers, Cowboys, and NBC, Chiefs, Vikings, and the highest total game of the week, uh, the Hackett Bowl, and the Jets and Denver Broncos. It's going to be a lot of interesting storylines in that one. Rams, Eagles, Cooper Cup coming back, Jonathan Taylor coming back for the Colts. Real big week. Um, four games in the books already. Are we staying sane? Are we still alive in any of our leagues? Either one of you. Kyle, your best ball team's all dead. Denny, do you have any redraft teams still alive? My best ball teams are cooking, and I think I got like kind of crushed in the early rounds because I had like a lot of Taylor. I had some Cup, a lot of J.K. Dobbins. Uh, but, man, I was just firing on these, like, Back end, like the last viable quarterback you can get is either CJ Stroud or Matthew Stafford. And I was like, oh, if the room is giving it to me, I guess I'll take these terrible players and just kind of like luck box into all of the breakout, like 18th round guys, all of the the Kyron, some Puka, more Tutu, who is a good, but not a Puka level pick, but Tank Dell. No, one, like, no one's a Puka level pick, Kyle. Come on. They're like, he's going, to, I mean, we'll talk about this, but. He's even if he comes back to earth, it'll probably be one of the better, like you needed this guy to win your league type of players yeah. we've ever seen. Really, really I mean, some would call Puka Nakua the most important person in the NFL. I think, I think the oh, best, yeah. that I is, thought you were saying in the, in the union in, in, <laughs> in the, in the Republic, whatever you want to say. Uh, I, I think that that there, there is no overstating it is what I'm saying. Uh, as for my teams, I have some pretty good redraft teams here. Here's the thing. If you, if I, I just, Drafted Puka and Anthony Richardson in every draft, and uh, that's uh, been okay. I will say, Puka, as much as I enjoy the young man's game and him scoring 42 PPR points every week, did think it was a little tasteless when the league allowed him to change the back of his jersey from Nakua to hope you enjoyed staying poor when you didn't draft me. That was a and, little uh, it was a little much. It's a mouthful, too. <laughs> it was. Denny knows I like mouthfuls of jokes. Uh, the longer the joke... The better the joke is. I just found that a little tasteless from Puka. He's a young man. He'll learn. We're all going to learn about the Jaguars and Bills. Commissioner Roger Goodell continues to try to curry favor with King Charles III as he sends Josh Allen and the Bills across the pond to face London's house team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kyle, we are more excited about the Bills. We have more questions about the Jags. Namely, how many more excuses can we make for Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I think we were probably, I mean, we know for sure 
at least pretty likely, we were preemptive in crowning him like this year's breakout wide receiver in breakout in that we haven't seen him play at a breakout level in a few years. I still think there are some pretty obvious paths to optimism. In the past three weeks, he's had a 14% target share. That's pretty dreadful, but he's at a route rate of 86% as in he's just not coming off the field. They're still using him like an every down wide receiver. He's got a pretty mediocre targets per route run over that span, but he has a 15, eight. If he's, if that is something that holds guys who are pushing the ball downfield as consistently as he does, they're going to have dry spells. Like that is just the nature of being a high volume deep threat. The volume has been down a little bit, but I think there will be explosive games in a game with a 48 and a half point total. This is probably one of those ones where the passing volume goes up. And even if he doesn't lead his team in targets, that's probably not going to happen in any given week. That is probably Christian Kirk. But if you get, say, like... Oh, hold on. You just said that Christian Kirk's going to lead in targets every week? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is destroying Ridley right now. For two games. No, the the shift shift has happened. Uh, (laughs) I mean, obviously the season is short, but 75% of the season he is pacing the team and targets. And even if you include the entirety of the season, still pacing the team and targets, he's good. Like, it's not like this is like there is not like Brenton strange is coming out and getting 10, 10 targets game for this team. It's not a good yet. wide receiver who they are paying an incredible amount of money pacing the team in targets. When the number two receiver hasn't played football at a high level since 2020, like this shouldn't be shocking. It's not the bet I was making in my fantasy drafts, but it's one that I understood was in the, within the range of outcomes. Now four weeks of data says that that's what's happening. If, if you want to take bets right now, I will take from week five to the end of the season, Christian Kirk, more targets than Calvin Ridley. Hmm. I wouldn't. I have to bet on Calvin Ridley. He just came dangerously close to saying everyone knew the Calvin Ridley play wasn't really going to work, even though we all... No, 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 no. I, yeah. I was to some degree in on Calvin Ridley when we got the one route that pumped up his ADP insanely. I was like, all right, I'm out now. You guys have jumped the shark. But I was 100% projecting Ridley over Kirk. And to me, I'm going to say that was probably wrong now. That's, that's my guess is that's wrong. But I still think we're getting a fairly high usage, especially in terms of air yards, like lots of deep shots for Calvin Ridley. And in a game where there's probably going to be a lot of passing volume, I feel good about him this week. I, like I said, though, I, I think Kirk's probably going to have more targets, but that's debatable. I just feel like Kirk has such a hard ceiling, and we witnessed it. It was fairly high ceiling in this offense last year, but there's another gear that Ridley could achieve, and I, I still am optimistic he might do that. We, we need to see we need to see some of these explosive plays this week. Like a defense that just lost Tredavious White for the season, high total. Uh, we need to see it this week. We absolutely have to see it this week, Denny. Uh, our, our former colleague Josh Norris over at Underdog pointed out this week that Ridley, you know, depending on how generous you want to be, should have three more touchdowns than he has. And so the conversation is completely different if he comes down with even two of those. Um, and so I, I, I'm not ready to, like, say it's it's Kirk uh, over Ridley every week. But, like, uh, after week one, Kirk has stepped up and, and dominated air yards and uh, targets. Ridley, you know, he said some drops, which not like that. You know, you never want your alibi to be like, he keeps dropping it. I mean, I know Pat, you, you gave a little prayer hands up emoji after Denny said he should have a lot more touchdowns, but he keeps dropping them. He would just that stop dropping the ball. Everything would be cool. Everything would be it fine. Would be, actually. But I mean, Calvin Ridley is on the spot against the Bills. Denny is James Cook on the spot. We finally got that fabled goal line carry for him last week, which he did convert. <laughs> but then there's a weird recent trend of his passing game snaps have been coming down. What is going on with James James Cook's usage heading 
excuse me, I cannot talk. Heading into week four against the Jaguars. Yeah. Week five. I think, yeah, I think James James Cook drafters probably broke down in uh in, in tears seeing him score a touchdown from in close, uh helped out by Josh Allen pushing him into the end zone and a reverse. Josh Allen play. took matters into his own hands. And uh, cool. so we hey, I want to thank I want to just thank Josh Allen for that real quick. Uh yeah, I, I think that last week was was a, a a little screwy because we had weird game script uh, in the Bills game. The Bills, you know, uh, took it to the Dolphins, as they say in 1978, and mm-hmm. uh, and so Cook had 12 of 18 touches uh, before the fourth quarter, and that's when Latavius Murray and Damian uh, Harris took over the Buffalo backfield to kind of close out the game, kind of uh, bleed the clock. Uh, you know, he 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 got some green zone work. He scored the short touchdown. He still ran the most routes, even though he didn't play much in the fourth quarter. Now, th- this this bat- this matchup against Jacksonville is quite bad. Uh, Jacksonville remains something of a pass funnel, really, really tough uh, rush defense. I'll spare you the the numbers, but um, but the Jaguars do allow the fifth most running back receptions this year at twenty four. Yeah, so so you know, J- I think James Cook still has a path here, um, but I could see the Bills being fairly pass heavy against Jacksonville. It's a really interesting game. This will be one. Uh, it's in London. Some weird stuff happens in these London games. So yeah. I hope we get a good crisp game. The Jaguars down so bad they've had to remain in London for entire. We love to be an NFL franchise that spends two weeks of the season in a entirely different continent. Yes. Is this the best London game like we've ever gotten? Because I think it was last year where they're like, yeah, we haven't had a matchup of two winning teams in London ever or something. Like we, we just consistently export our saddest Thursday night football rejects to London. And this one's a legit like playoff implications matchup. Sounds like someone doesn't want to avenge 1776, Kyle. And we're taking <laughs> notes. We're taking notes. Uh, words matter. Uh, we'll be right back after this. NBA training camp starts soon, and here is your chance to get an assist with your fantasy draft with the Roto World Basketball Draft Guide. Visit NBCSports.com and use the promo code HOOPS23 at checkout to score a 20% discount, a $10 e-gift card to Fanatics, and free season-long tools with your draft guide purchase. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Really, really good stuff with the NBA Draft Guide. Raphael does an amazing job leading the team. You know who else does an amazing job leading the team, guys? David Montgomery by scoring three touchdowns every week. Back in America, we have a sentence we thought we would never print. The Detroit Lions are 10-point favorites against someone. This week, it's the Carolina Panthers, Denny. You couldn't help but notice the Lions have gone super mega run heavy when we talked earlier this week. Tell the folks what's that about, and will David Montgomery continue to get away with it and print more money than the United States Treasury? Oh, it's not even a matter of getting away with it. I mean, he he's he's actually not making the most of his opportunity, and he's still he's still like a like a locked in top five option. I saw him 
the consensus rank for Montgomery is is RB10 this week. And I will tell you why I don't understand that in just a moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Lions are a smart team that knows what they have in that uh, they are fairly pass heavy on first down, which we like to see. And overall, they are very run heavy. Only the Falcons and the Cardinals are un, are further under their expected pass rate than the Lions. And we saw what that means in practice last week against the Packers with the Lions just bludgeon Green Bay on the ground throughout the entire second half. That's a very correct usage of bludgeon, by yes, the way. They bludgeoned was, them. It was quite brutal, quite brutal to, to watch. And, and especially if you were facing Montgomery like somebody here. That was that was difficult. That was difficult, I will say. Now they play a Panthers defense that ranks as the ninth most extreme run funnel defense in the league. Uh, they're among the league leaders in giving up yards before contact. Everything points to this being a massively run-heavy game for the Lions, and that means a lot of Montgomery. That means great touchdown equity for Montgomery. And who knows? They might get crazy and get uh, Jameer Gibbs involved. Uh, we we could actually see that. I mean, it's 10-point favorites. The fourth quarter is Jameer Gibbs isn't written all over it, right? No, it does not. I mean, I even say this is a joke. You know who it has written all over Craig, it. Craig Reynolds? Yes. Craig Reynolds take over country in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I'm Let's dead. Ride. I'm dead serious. They're not going to waste these Jameer Gibbs bullets in the. It wouldn't. Quarter. It wouldn't make sense. Like that'd be treating him like a true, true backup. Whereas more so, I think he is like uh, sort of like in a Brees Hall type of spot where his time will come one day. You don't give that guy fourth quarter carries. That's what I'm. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I don't. Or it could just be David Montgomery. They, David Montgomery. They were up like 47 points on the Packers. Like give Demont 10 more carries just to yeah. be safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that and that's the way it's, it's going to go. In fact, it makes me. I mean, you got to start on Monroe St. Brown. You got to start. He's missed back to back practices, with abdomen injury. I, yes. That'll probably play through it, though. I actually think he. Amonra has made a habit of playing through like every injury. He's on the injury report a lot, and he always plays. And also, the Panthers have reached the level of bad where they destroy the entire environment. They do the entire scoring environment, yep. like. I, I did not feel great about playing my Vikings last week against Carolina because it's like you could like fall out of bed and accidentally beat the Panthers. Uh, they don't it's actually true. have to try. So uh, that that really that hurts. And, you know, it hurt Addison, hurt Cousins. So I could see a similar thing with Detroit. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins literally got pick six on his very first drive and uh, <laughs> they still came away with the win. Like you, you can fall out of bed into giving your opponent seven points off the jump. You can still beat the Panthers. Kirk really tried. Kirk Kirk always pushes it to the limit. Yes. Speaking of that bad offensive environment for the Panthers, Kyle, Miles Sanders, I don't know if you'd want to call it a Chuba Hubbard takeover, but dealt with a very increased Chuba Hubbard role in week four, which wasn't great news because Chuba for a number two was already pretty highly involved. The Panthers seemed like they made a bigger deal out of Miles Sanders' groin injury last week, even though he's been playing through it since the summer. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's getting any healthier, though. Miles Sanders, despite the best efforts of some in this industry, just does not appear to be very good. And how concerning is it for Miles Sanders that Chuba Hubbard is getting more and more involved? Yeah, Chuba's beating him in essentially all of the advanced rushing metrics, like the next-gen success rate, next-gen's rush yards are expected. He looks good in those. He's not elite by any means, but he looks good, and Sanders is, is struggling in essentially all of them. And then last week, and he's also dealing with, like you said, groin injury. I think a week or two ago, they listed him maybe with a pec injury. Like, he seems at best banged up. Maybe that's at best or at worst healthy and uh, 
like not good. Neither of those options seems great. I'm not sure which one's the better one. But as you pointed out last week, his snap share dipped below 50%. His carry share dipped below 50%. And he's not running routes. He's earning targets at a high clip, but he's doing, as we've come to expect from him, very, very little with said targets. I'm not playing him this week. He's clearly a, at almost at best, a banged up two down back as a 10 point dog. Like, no, I'm not playing that guy. I'm probably not dying to start Chuba Hubbard either, though, because you can say you can say he's like the more important downs in a game where you're 10 point dogs. But you're still hoping that you're like it's a Jalen Warren type of situation, probably at best, maybe a little bit more of the carries, but they're massive dogs. So I'm playing neither of them. If I have to hold one, it's probably Chuba. Oh, I got a little weaker than I expected. Chuba, am I not mistaken? Did he like not even really catch the ball in college? Like, how are you losing passing down snaps to Chuba Hubbard? Something I've been wondering. He had 53 Sanders catches has just in college. Been, yeah. As a rookie, Sanders looked really good as a pass catcher, and it has been dreadful since then. He's been one of the worst running backs in the league on a per-target basis, on a per-route basis. It's just not there with him. Yeah, and Chuba wasn't, like, heralded as some sort of incredible pass catcher coming out of college. I think, frankly, just being competent at that is something that Miles Sanders just isn't showing right now, and he hasn't really shown in years. I don't know how he's so inefficient. He's received so many opportunities. Um, I think he would have learned what to do with them by now. Denny, the Panthers, every week I'm like, uh, tell me about the Panthers receivers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I do, I do love we playing. I love that you assigned me to look. Have I done this back-to-back weeks? Really sorry about that. Really strongly into the Panthers receiving core. My, my eyes bleed as I do so. All right, here's, here's what I got. <laughs> Adam, Adam Thielen leads the team. With 21% target share through four weeks last week, Terrace Marshall led the team in targets, but only ran 61% of the routes with Jonathan Mingo on the sideline. Mingo cleared the concussion protocol. I don't know. You know, it's just so, so awful. And I, I got, I got caught in a S storm on, on the site formerly known as Twitter for saying that uh, Bryce Young is, has not been good. Uh, My man's got caught in an S storm on X. You hate when that happens. Yeah. Then you, I will say you've RIP in his career quite early. Uh, quite usually, guy, you think you think when Denny's tweeting about Bryce Young, you should see what he's saying on Slack and group texts. Uh, and a lot of height comments, lots of height comments from Denny. As someone <laughs> be, who's, I think, shorter. To be clear, than Bryce that is Young, not a joke. To be clear, that is a joke that Denny is not making height jokes about Bryce Young off the air, but he is saying he's bad. I, I'm, I am saying that fantasy wise, he. Hurt, he hurts everyone here. I mean, I'm I'm I mean, I'm I'm trying to take it down a notch. I I I think Bryce Young is in for a world of hurt against the this a pretty good. You're trying to take it down a notch, and this guy's in a world of hurt. Uh, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, what, like you can't play you can't play any Panthers. That's my that my take is that you do not play any Panthers this week. You can play Thielen. I think I think we're scamming Thielen for a long time. He's like the only dude on this team who can get separation and earn targets. Like it just doesn't appear to really be there with Mingo. Apparently it was there with Terrace Marshall, but like you said, he's back out of the lineup. Chark every once in a while open deep. That's about it. So when Bryce Young surveys the field, when he gets up on the ladder and looks over the lineman and sees oh, the field, it's I can say this because I'm like five eight he's taller than me i'm pretty sure uh maybe uh, it's <laughs> we've never seen me and him in the same room next to each other no. but no thielen is like he looks like he's able to get separation get open like he was in 2021 minnesota 2020 minnesota and that's that's an easy recipe with his competition for targets to see a lot of targets 
Yeah, Adam Thielen sounds like he's been drinking some Glacier Freeze Gatorade and has rediscovered the fountain of youth. Check out this week's Galaxy Brains for more Glacier Freeze talk. Somehow, some way, the Falcons are two-point home favorites against the Texans, Kyle. There's no point in beating around the bush here. Just give us the grizzly Kyle Pitts details. And also, like, the still weirdly positive Kyle Pitts numbers. I can't remember who was saying these earlier this week. If it was you or Denny. I think you both have very bravely come up with many positive <laughs> Kyle Pitts stats still, despite any of the stats that are actually mattering. Just yeah. god-awful. That's the problem is in a lot of stats that generally predict fantasy points. Well, he's doing good. He's up there in targets, 11th in targets, first in air yards. He's elite in both target share and air yard share. It does not matter if you are dead last among receivers and tight ends in catchable target rate. He is dead last among receivers and tight ends in catchable target rate. It is. I mean, I think the good news is that whenever they get a better quarterback, (laughs) He'll be good. He is. People are saying he's playing hurt. He's still dealing with a knee thing. That might be true. But I mean, to me, if you can go out and be the entire focal point of your team's passing attack, as far as tight ends go, like I said, he's literally first in the NFL in air yard share among tight ends. And he's doing elite numbers in terms of target share. That tells me he's good. Like earning targets and earning targets farther downfield is a skill that like very few players possess. Those are the elite players in the NFL. Quite literally doesn't matter on this version of the offense. And they're not going to get Caleb Williams either because the Bears are a juggernaut at losing games. So they're losing two games a week because they have the Panthers pick. So, oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Let's get, yeah. you know, Bo Nix on this team or something. Oh, yeah. I forgot. The, the, the Caleb Williams free for all is quickly becoming a knife fight. This is going to be one of the more legendary tankathons in NFL history. And Denny, Kyle just took us through the sorry state of the Falcons offense. Uh, that doesn't really include B. John Robinson, who thankfully. You're a very dark vision from before the season that Tyler Algier will be like just dominating carries, dominating snaps in this offense. Isn't really coming to fruition. He's still playing enough, though, for it to hurt Bijan. He's been way less efficient than Bijan, both in like the boomer metrics and in like the, the next gen stats, rush yards over expected. Bijan lapping him. He's lapping the entire field. That's one thing with Bijan. What do you make of the recent trends with Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson's usage? Yeah, uh, you know, the the, the Algier crew uh, hive is uh, is down horrifically right now. Over the over the past three weeks, <laughs> Bijan has forty three rushes to thirty rushes for Algier. I don't even know how it's that close. Bijan is averaging six point one yards per carry. Algier is averaging two point five. So it's uh, been pretty bad for Algier. Last week, Algier ran 19 routes to, I'm sorry, ran 19% of the routes to Bijan, 70%. Uh, Algier still leads in the green zone, carries four to one. That's right, folks. Bijan Robinson has one carry inside the 10 yard line through four games. Okay. This is the genius that is Arthur Smith. <laughs> and, you know, he loves, like, when they win one game, when the Falcons win one game, he's like, oh, I, don't, I don't care about fantasy. I like to win games. Well, what what what? No one asks him after he loses. Well, what what now? What about the yeah, real games? Yeah. yeah, do you care about those at all? The fantasy folks are upset, and the Falcons fans are upset. So because you can't do both stink. poorly, you can win games in ugly fashion and disrespect us all you want. That's your prerogative. But you got to do the winning part. You gotta you gotta back it up with some wins, and that ain't happening. And, and honestly, not- for the yeah for the backfield split. Props Tyler Algier for holding off Bijan for like two games. I don't think there are many running backs in the NFL that could have done that because Bijan's incredible. 
So for Tyler Algier to go yeah. there and play like half the team snaps in weeks one and two, that's like a win for for him as a as a player, even if ultimately it is over for him. So Bijan is like an elite fantasy option and his usage stinks. Um, so I think as if, if we ever, ever get he's, some, he's reverse Kyle Pitts because of the way this yeah. team is set up. Right. Exactly. So if we ever get just a, just a moderately good usage for, for Bijan, he's going to go through the roof. He has not scored a rushing touchdown. This I year, think Bijan right? really is Arthur Smith's like greatest insult because like you said, unlike Kyle Pitts, uh, I mean, Kyle Pitts has produced at some point. Bijan like is only producing, and it doesn't matter what the metric is if it's traditional, advanced, or otherwise. He's dominating it with the eye test. Like, oh, this guy cuts good. Like, this guy cut good is what right. you say when he, you he, watch. He passed the, the eye test so well. Yeah. He is sick to watch. And it's just like it, it's just truly inexcusable, and really is like some sort of pathology, like some sort of hang up with Arthur Smith. And to me, he has become like the avatar. For the modern offensive coordinator that just thinks the entire system must revolve around the coach, that every play has to be so carefully choreographed and sequenced and just refuses to run the play called get the good guy the ball. And everything, you're it. right. Everything for Arthur Smith, everything is about him uh, on this team. Like, and, not a uh, bit. Like, that really is what's going on. Everything like, is he, about his plan and his scheme, and it doesn't matter, and nothing else matters. And I, I don't know when the Falcons as an organization say enough, enough. It has to happen soon. They they they, they cannot waste Kyle Pitts and Bijan and Drake London. This this offense should be unbelievable. This this offense should, really be should be the Dolphins. Bijan and Drake London are confirmed really good. Kyle Pitts could still easily be confirmed yeah, really sure. good. It's just totally, totally, totally inexcusable. Moving on to the Houston Texans, who unlike the Falcons are exceeding expectations. Um, just two straight 20-point wins. Uh, that's pretty cool. Pretty unexpected. Somehow two-point dogs, though, to the Falcons. Oh, I really don't understand. But every time I – I don't get this line at all. You know, then Vegas is like having a Super Bowl parade yeah. to get the line. It does feel like an – I don't know about that gym, though, right, Pat? It really, really you, How would you describe – how would you say that? Maybe yeah, you would just – I don't know. I don't know. Oh, he is in the flat, and he missed him, Jim. He missed him. And – that's what he always did. He starts with that, and then he tries to transition into a real point, and yeah. like this, just it's just too jarring. <laughs> that's perfect. Maybe maybe that's everything I could have hoped for and more. Yeah, maybe just call the game normally, uh, Mr. Tony Romo. But Kyle is Nico Collins as far ahead of Tank Dell as it appeared in Week Four, two hundred and forty-six yard games. I don't think he's had a ten-target game yet, though. Well, what is the breakdown right now between Nico Collins and Tank Dell? Two of the bigger not surprises, just good, best stories so far of the 2023 fantasy season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you sort of alluded to this. Last week, definitely not a representation of the gap between Nico and Tank. I think it's fair to call Nico the team's wide receiver one. We had two very fun Tank games. It's probably still going to be Nico over the past three weeks. Dell's actually run slightly more routes, but Collins still has a much higher targets per route run and a higher target share. On the other hand, Dell has, because he's playing on the outside and running deep routes, a higher air yard share. He's the outside field stretcher, whereas Nico is actually just going to be the team's true number one. But in the way this team is passing the football, which say extremely well, they're both going to get there more often than not. So I actually think it's like you should probably just be playing both of these guys week in, week out. To me, Nico, like high end wide receiver two and tank, depending on the game, probably more game dependent wide receiver three. But like. You could push him up to 25 in the right game. Like wide receiver 25, 
I feel good about that. He looks really strong. His role is really good. I'm not, there's nothing to complain about. I will say real quick, uh, Tank Dell and Nico Collins got uh, mentions in the regression files this week because, man, they are running hot, real hot. So, oh, really? I was you hoping know. you're saying they're even, they're even, you might not believe folks, they're leaving some meat on the bone. No, hot no, on, no, no, uh, no. hot, like what, what respect? Uh, what I mean is, uh, there's no meat on the bone. They have eaten all the meat off the bone. They've also eaten the bone. Oh, boy. Uh, 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 so and, uh, it, you know, I mean, Tank, Tank Dell is averaging like 0.85 yards per route. Uh, I'm sorry, 0.85 fantasy points per route. That's something that's probably not going to keep up. Very briefly, Damian Pierce, the usage has remained pretty good. 25 touches against the Steelers, but one total touchdown, under three yards per carry, only has eight total receptions, is not getting home in the things that matter in fantasy. What I just don't even know what to do with Damian Pierce, to be frank. I rank him as an RB2 because of the workload, but he yeah. certainly does not feel like an RB2. Well, I mean – he is. I mean, in this, in this, in the hellscape that is running back right now, I think, I think, you know, last week, 25 touches against the Steelers in a, in a lopsided win the week before uh, 17 touches against the Jags in, in a win. Now the, the losses are different the, when, you know, the loss to the Colts and the Ravens early in the season, he really wasn't used because the team had to re- resort to a pass heavy scheme. I think this game, they probably are going to have a lot of neutral and positive scripts. So I, you know, Pierce is fine. I, look, you're not you're not getting crazy games out of Pierce. You're not getting 150 yards, three touchdowns. But I think that this game could easily get you 80 total yards and a touchdown from Pierce. And if the Texans continue to look like an actually functional offense, the yes. touchdowns are going to follow. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yes. That that's the one thing that I I was hesitant on entering the season is can the Texans maintain the sort of script that Pierce would need? Cause Pierce is not going to be out there catching eight, eight, nine passes a game. I mean, no one does that to be fair, but you know, and, and, uh, uh, but yeah, this Texans offense has kept him afloat. That's a good point. He's like crossed the biggest hurdle we needed him to cross, which is if the Texans are dreadful, they were supposed to be, it won't matter how many touches he sees. They're actually not. So I think we're, this is like, an oddly good start despite the lack of like true fantasy points. It's pretty crazy to have back-to-back 20-point victories and he has one insane in those games. And also that. <laughs> that part's a bit disturbing for Damian Pierce managers. The Chiefs and Vikings meet up for this week's highest total game in Minnesota with Vegas establishing a 52.5-point total with the Vikes as four-point home underdogs. Denny, I thought Cam Akers would immediately supplant Alexander Madison in week four. It was not a bit. I really did just think that was going to happen, but uh, it didn't. Anything but happened. The status quo for this week is Alexander Madison still like the clear-cut 1A and kind of hesitate to even call it a committee right now. It hasn't been established as a committee yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you have Akers with five carries last week to 17 for Alexander Madison. Uh, Madison had a 38% route rate to 24% for for Akers. But, I mean, I I did think it was a little presumptuous to say, like, okay, Akers is in. He's going to get the RB1 workload. Madison is fighting for his life out, his football life out there. Uh, he so- was. Kyle said that he he was literally fighting for his football life, but then winning his football life because he was running well. Yeah, he had yeah, a good no, game. I, it was a legit good game. It was. It was, and uh, you got to feel good for him with all the flack that he's had to handle uh, for his slow start. Uh, trying to find who did that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> feel great about my role in that. Um, and so, yeah, uh, but but Acres is a hold. It, for for now, you're not starting him. 
I, I don't think this week because I mean, come on, the Vikings are not going to be able to run the ball one time here against the Chiefs, and we're going to get three and a half quarters of garbage time, which could be fun for fantasy. The only, by the way, Cam maker season next week. Yeah, one fluke good game for Alexander Madison. It's clearly going to be the Acres backfield going forward, and that's going to be saying unmea culping with. Uh, Whatever his name is, Alexander Madison next week. Uh, Kyle, the Whatever only is. the only question worse than Panthers receiver check-in is somehow Chiefs receiver right. check-in. The receiver core for the best football player on the planet can't score any fantasy points. It's really cool stuff. Uh, any updates here? It's sickening, man. It is truly insane. Denny, you thought you had it bad with these Panthers guys. There's one good player, at least Adam Thielen. He's he's legit good still and putting up fantasy points. There's nothing going on here. I mean, last week they didn't have a single receiver runner out on more than 61% of Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. And that was MVS and Justin Watson were the two guys tied at 61 equal number of routes. You're not playing either of those guys. The one maybe development, at least keep your eye on it. Rasheed Rice in week three ran a route on just over half of the team's dropbacks, but that was when they destroyed the bears. Who's I didn't check, but I'm pretty sure he was getting in pretty late in that game. So you're thinking, Write that one off. It's obviously garbage time, and they're putting kind of a second stringer out there. Then last week, goes out and runs around on 47% of the dropbacks, way more than he was over the first two weeks, which were both competitive games, I believe. So he's getting up to a part-time role, whereas in week one and two, part-time would even be generous uh, way to phrase it. He was just a true backup, and he's 12th in yards per route run. He's top 20 in PFF receiving grade. He looks really good. Again, this is something we've seen with a lot of the receivers that as you scale up the routes, the efficiency can, I mean, it typically will come back, but I would be excited to see him get to 75% of the routes. We're still far away off from that, but he's the only guy I would even roster on this team right now in terms of the the receivers. Yeah, just uh, really just shocked this is even possible, what we have witnessed with the Chiefs receivers. Do you have a thought, Denny? You're muted. I'm sorry. I was on mute. Sorry. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a problem for the Chiefs as a team in, in real real-life football. I feel like having literally it's become no a problem. Receivers yeah. is gonna is going to be an issue. Like Mahomes can do a lot with a little, but he can't do a lot with nothing. And that's what we're witnessing have. a little bit. This happens when when these teams try to cobble together targets and be like, yeah, I know we don't have a number one, but we've got like four or five decent guys. Kind of like this, what we witnessed to the Patriots last year. You need defined roles. Like I know, like these guys are good. The professionals, but like psychology of it it's like you need a defined role like some guy needs to know he's going to be like the red zone guy some guy needs to know like he's the chain mover someone needs to be the out and i feel like the chiefs just don't even have i'm sure they have more defined roles than i as a non-ball knower no but like <laughs> it just seems like they, they're totally mixing up the route percentages like the snap percentage like no one really knows what their job is in the chiefs receiver core partly because none of them are playing well um, but <laughs> yeah. I know MBS knows his role, but just like they gotta, they gotta like settle into some sort of rotation at some point and let these guys. I'm not like, too concerned with it for the Chiefs. I mean, this is literally the exact same thing they did last year, and it wasn't an issue. Not working as well as it did last year. I'll say. Uh, I mean, Mahomes Travis Kelsey's is another EPA. year older. Travis Kelsey. Mahomes is fourth in EPA per Travis play. Travis Kelsey's He's distracted. Like, <laughs> we got to get him. Uh, you know, he he had Travis that one Kelsey, time where real he quick cut, touchdown Tra- dip from the game. Travis Kelsey is the first player in the history of the NFL to have a girlfriend. I mean, no one talks about that. No one talks about it, but it's we're still waiting for the first analyst of the NFL to have a girlfriend. <laughs> I know it's not going to be me. <laughs> 
<laughs> we we can hope we can hope that barrier is broken one day. And but this is reflected by the way the, the the Chiefs are targeting the wide receiver position at the sixth lowest rate in the league right now. So that's that's something. It's I actually agree. It's a, it's looking like a bigger problem than it did last year. Uh, we're like big moments and big games. They don't have anyone other than Travis Kelsey. I mean, you can say that wasn't true. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster would be better than almost any. Oh of these yeah, guys right now. no, no, no. Juju would would be would be way better than these guys. And also, I don't think that relying on Mahomes making twenty-five yard scrambles no. uh, to save to save your game. I don't know if that's a good long-term strategy. No, it's not. His legs are going to get pretzeled at some point. Really? Denny, in this game, do we like the Vikings ancillary players who did not get home? Like you said, against the environment ruining Panthers in week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Panthers carbon footprint is off the charts there. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 not feeling great actually about the Vikings ancillary pieces outside of Hawkinson and Jefferson because Kansas City opponents are averaging only 60 plays per game on offense. That's the seventh lowest mark in the league. Uh, we saw what happens when the the bottom falls out of play volume and pass volume for Minnesota. Jordan Addison becomes a non a non factor, like non fantasy relevant. He had zero targets for zero. Uh, receptions last week his his season long route rate is up to 70 percent which is not bad it's actually ticked up uh since since week one but i and i did tell you so in the regression files i told you so it can, it just it just it, it can't last it just it can't last for a guy like addison where he's gonna like oh obviously he'll just catch a 60 yard touchdown every week and we'll get by on that that, that doesn't that doesn't last so addison is very iffy in in this environment i think that the vikings could be so thoroughly crushed here that it just it just sucks all the fantasy goodness out of this game for them i don't know about that 52 and a half i know chiefs have been i feel like living on the under this year what if what if the what if the chiefs chiefs account for 44 of that sure or what if they just don't like what if they kind of have another really mediocre offensive game? The Chiefs' defense has looked pretty good, and the under just smashes in this game. It's definitely Chiefs, Chiefs are Chiefs are failing. Chiefs are failing a little bit as far as as far as like the the mega shootouts that we're accustomed to. Producer Adam notes, but there's a conspiracy against Patrick Mahomes in a little town called Las Vegas, Nevada, where the line has gone from five and a half in favor of the Chiefs to only four for the Chiefs. Someone out there. Really, really, really liked that Kirk Cousins pick six they saw last week. They really did. They really, really did. The Tennessee Titans traveled to Indianapolis as narrow two-point favorites. Kyle, order was restored in the Titans' backfield for week four. Do we expect that to remain the case for week five? We're getting their favorites, but it's only two points. It's on the road. Could be really low-scoring game. What What's the outlook for Derrick Henry and the Titans' rushing attack right now? Yeah, I mean, for Henry, I, I think it's – Pretty simple in that he is not going to have nearly as rosy of an outlook, even more so than previous years. This has kind of always been something that's vaguely true about Henry when they're going to lose games. I honestly think like the I, I get that like this is also factoring home field advantage, but I think the Colts are a significantly better team. Like I think they're a better, better quarterback team. I think offensive scheme they're better at. They have more talent overall in offense. The the Titans line is not good. Tannehill is statuesque. I just. To me, this feels like a spot where they could easily go in and lose in Indianapolis. And that's bad because Tajay Spears has a route rate of 47% to the big dogs, 31%. And in losses, Henry's route rate is down at 20%. He just does not get on the field in passing down situations when they're losing. He hardly does it when they're winning. So 
I think we're still going to get a decent amount of carries, but if he's not drawing targets and he's not as efficient as he used to be, I don't, it's, I mean, you're still playing him, but I'm not going to rank him like I would have in this type of spot in 2021. Uh, I am that bad. Uh, ranked him pretty high still. Ranked him pretty, pretty high. Uh, no, uh, everyone's just <laughs> reacting and stunned. Saying, oh, Pat used to well, be. Where'd good. you rank him? What's the, what's the number we're working with here? RB4. Yeah, RB4. I don't have an RB4. I mean, to me, if the Titans are still a favorite, the Colts' pass sure, rush yeah. is not nuking this Titans offensive line. That's been the big problem for the Titans this year is like so many drives have been killed by nine yard Ryan Tannehill sacks. I just don't really see that happening. I do think the Titans will be able to mostly establish the kind of approach and game plan that they prefer. And, but we'll see. Maybe that, maybe this is a different Titans team. I still have him ranked, I think as an RB one. I just like 2020 me ranks him RB one overall. We're like, Oh, this is a two forty and three spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's two forty and three. That's long gone. Speaking of long gone, Jonathan Taylor, uh, the RB one overall two years ago, you may have heard then had, very injury marred 2022 has not played in 2023. We don't quite know what's going on between him and the team. He is practicing in full. Uh, when you practice in full, you play in the football game on Sunday. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one final curveball here. I haven't ranked as the RB 23 just for a variety of reasons. We know he's not going to be like the every snap Jonathan Taylor. We came to know and love. He's got the battering Ram rookie and Anthony Richardson, who's now very, very tough competition for the goal line carries. And just, I'm sure that they've been anti-Taylor pilled. I'm sure they're like, Zach Moss has been playing very well for this football team. You don't think Zach Moss should be getting touches? Is that, is that what, what I'm hearing? What do you have say? against Zach Moss? No, what do you have against Zach Moss? Uh, what do you think? What are realistic expectations for Jonathan Taylor in his 2023 debut against the Titans? Very tough run defense. Right. It's a bad spot. It's it's truly a bad spot in, in, in several ways. Uh, you have – uh, the the Titans are one of the more extreme pass funnels in the league. Um, they're if you look at uh, yards before contact per attempt, they're they're top three, bottom three, however you want to say it. They're tough. They're tough run defense. Uh, I don't. I, Shane Steichen. I have enough faith in him as a play caller and as a coach. Say he's not just going to slam Jonathan Taylor into that Titans line fifteen times. Uh, you know, if you drafted him and he's playing, you, I think you just have to go ahead and start him, hope for a touchdown uh, to kind of smooth over what will probably be a rather unproductive day. Um, but uh, yeah, and but then again, you have Anthony Richardson as the ultimate goal line weapon outside of Jalen Hurts. So I, I, I just, Kyle and I, I, I think we're on the same page in the offseason and saying Anthony Richardson's awful for, for, for Taylor. And I think that that remains true. We're going to find out. It seems not good. Having competition for the goal line carries is just something you cannot afford on a bad offense. Yeah. Not not great. And I do believe Taylor, the last time, you know, in 2021, had the most red zone carries of any player since the year 2000 in a single season. Like he was, the offense was just good enough that they were able to get in the, in, in the red zone a modest amount. And then it was the Taylor show when they got there. I will say versus last year with like Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles started a game for that team, right? That's yeah. not crazy. That actually happened. This would be better than that because that was embarrassingly bad. Being a competent offense with a goal line quarterback is better than being a you, – you they didn't get to the goal line. It didn't matter. So this is better than that, but it is not nearly as good as the 2021 setup. 
We will be right back after this. Get your popcorn ready for Sunday night this week. All the stars will be out in Northern California when Micah Parsons Cowboys clash with Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers. Coverage of this battle between the two best teams in the NFC, one of the biggest rivalries in NFL history, begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. I'll be watching. You should, too. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows and Amazon music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC sports. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Fresh off a Bills humbling, the Miami Dolphins host the Giants as 11-point home favorites, Denny Carter. Uh, unlike what Kyle Brandt seems to think, I think the Dolphins are still good. Uh, Mike McDaniel lamented not doing a better job establishing the run in week four. Are we expecting full-blown establishment this week with the Fins acting as such huge home favorites, maybe kind of wanting to like recalibrate, reset the passing game after kind of a rough week in Buffalo? What is your expectations for the Dolphins' offensive approach in this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I know you saw this, Pat. Uh, Mike McDaniel said uh, they abandoned the run too quickly. Did. They should have kept running while down three scores against the Bills. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cried. Crocodile. How good they run the football. That's, if anyone's going to do it. Real quick, uh, Mike McDaniel has fallen. <laughs> yeah, he, he has. He is he has fallen to the tough guys. And by the way, the analytics revolution is over now that the Dolphins have lost one game. Uh, too bad. Too bad for us. So uh, at first I was a little skeptical of this, but after looking into it more strongly, I think that you're onto something here, Pat. Um, In their decimation of the Broncos a couple weeks ago, Miami was 6% under their expected pass rate. They were minus 14% on first downs. So really establishing it. Uh, The Giants are a slight run funnel defense and allow the eighth highest EPA per rush. Uh, uh, PFF grades the uh, New York uh, defensive line is the sixth worst uh, rush defense in the league. This is all to say that, yeah, I think that Mostert and HN can can get there, and I, I think that they could probably split 35 touches between them. What were you gonna say? It looks this week all of a sudden, Mike McDaniels have enormous pecs, like suddenly he's <laughs> six foot two. Right. Um, he's just bench pressing on the side. I thought this guy was supposed to be a nerd. Right. Right. Why why is he running the ball 35 times? Yeah. Turns out he's just an insane alpha. He he's arm wrestling Dan Campbell and almost winning. Um, he puts down the vape <laughs> for a big old cigar. Yeah. So yeah, Mike McDaniel, stay a nerd for us, please. Kyle, the Giants, nothing's going. Well, Saquon Barkley's going. We'll talk about that in just one second. Uh Darren Waller is struggling. The only guy who was like kind of not struggling in week four and he was not like he was exactly like he was excelling was Wandale Robinson. They've appeared very serious uh, getting Wandale involved since he returned two weeks ago. Seems like he kind of immediately supplanted Paris Campbell as like the primary short area target. Am I overstating it or is a Wandale Robinson PPR scam developing here? 
did, I don't know if you said this in when you asked the question. Uh, PPR scam at least came up on the show sheet, which Wondo's really good and really good at earning targets. But I think it's fair to say anyone with a sub four A dot, that's a bit scammy. A scam is fine. We can make money off of scams. Plenty of people do every year. But I will say we do kind of need to see him push the ball farther downfield to be anything more than like, oh, you can flex this guy as a PPR option. His route skyrocketed last week, only to like 60 something percent. But he was a part time player in his first game back understandable but as you noted pat they seem clearly like they're working toward him being like the full-time slot guy for the team so yeah ppr scam though i would say a significantly capped ceiling given that he's just getting short area targets they're not even pushing close to the sticks with his targets right now speaking of targets close to the sticks this giant's horror show passing no production whatsoever for darren waller uh as i tweeted earlier this week you know, it's just absolutely stunning that making a 31-year-old tight end your wide receiver one isn't working for the New York Giants, but it is not working. They are doubling down, though, all week. He's getting, like, the squeaky wheel treatment. They're talking about wanting to get him more because Darren Waller's still a good player. I think he is horribly miscast for this role they've got him in. Denny, is there any rebounding for Darren? I mean, not even rebound. He hasn't done anything yet. Is Darren Waller going to welcome himself to the 2023, 2023 fantasy season? Right. I mean, you have – uh, three or fewer receptions for Waller in uh, three of three of four games. Basically, he has one good game that was against Arizona in their insane comeback mode in week two. He caught six of eight targets for 76 scoreless yards. That's what we have so far. Uh, I, I, I really I, I don't think without a vast improvement for the New York offensive line, I don't think that Darren Waller is going to be hugely involved here. I don't think that the offense is going to run through him by any means. And, you know, getting back to Wandale, I I think that his usage fits what this Giants offense can do at the moment. Um, they're going to be with, without left tackle Andrew Thomas this week against Miami. And I, so I think a lot of checkdowns, a lot of stuff close to the line, which Daniel Jones is prone to anyway. I think that that, that fares really well for Wandale Robinson it's not going to be so great for Darren Waller. Now you're not going to get a better waiver wire option uh, than, than Waller. So you got to go with them. But I, I do think it was a miscalculation to say I can get Waller at this ADP and he's going to be an elite producer there. I just feel like there was nothing really pointing to that. And this giants offense is going to be as conservative as possible for a while, at least until they get healthier. Yeah, man, it's just the, the season's over, by the way, for the Giants. It is over. It's, yeah. No. Well, Denny, we it's not over. It's what is it, it actually? Oh, yeah. brother, it's Jover. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very, very Jover. So Jover. It's not Jover for Zaquan Barkley. He's back, Denny. I put him as the RB17 coming off injury, an ankle, ankle which is very susceptible to re injury was not efficient down the stretch last season, wasn't looking efficient early this season, a lot of extenuating circumstances, like the awful offensive line. Is RB17, is that too aspirational for Saquon Barkley or just a good enough player with a three-down roll? Um, even with the horrible setup, you still have to treat him as a as a white – excuse me, RB2, I cannot talk today. Right, right. So, you know, it, it remains to be seen if Barkley's going to get a full complement of snaps here coming off the – ankle sprain that they said was the lowest of all time. It ends up being a very high ankle sprain. <laughs> it ended up being very high. <laughs> it it way, uh, way higher than low. So they actually, yeah, they brought John, John Mara out Mara to address the press and it actually ended up 
being an exceptionally high spring. Yeah, uh, one of I, the higher. I have spring. seen higher, but it, I'll be honest, I'm I was I'm a little scared. It was high. It was it high. Was high. And so you know, I I, I don't know if he's going to get all the all the snaps that he usually gets. Uh, if you think that this is a blowout script, then you, we have some hope from week two against Arizona, going back to that legendary game, biggest win in Giants history there. Uh, uh, he caught, uh, Barkley caught six of seven targets Just for 28 yards. What'd you say? Just a hater. Um, come on. But I mean, that, that, that win was treated like a season saver. It, it, it wasn't, I, I hate to tell no. you. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, he can get there maybe with some pass catching, uh, Barkley, I, I will say this. If this game is close, then Barkley actually has a pretty good matchup. Let me tell you about the Dolphins' terrible rush defense through four weeks. Uh, they're allowing the most yards before contact per attempt, which is a, it's a, which is closely correlated to long runs, okay? And the highest rushing success rate, they're dead last in what's called stuff rate, which means uh, runs that are stopped at the line of scrimmage. So you might not be completely nauseous playing Saquon Barkley this week uh, if he's active. Love to not be completely nauseous when playing my first round pick. Always what I look for for success of my first round pick. Yeah. The 49ers and Dallas Cowboys remember the 90s in Santa Clara, California, when they meet up for the game of the week on Sunday Night Football on NBC and Peacock. Kyle, one thing holding back this Cowboys offense has been the lack of competitive game script. They're finally going to get that in Cali. Uh, but against an elite defense, maybe the best defense in the entire NFL, what view should fantasy managers take of the Cowboys offense for week five? Yeah, it doesn't look great for week five in that you, we've talked a lot about uh, like what Vegas thinks of these games. But as you said, Pat, all the lines like, oh, that, that can't be right. And they wouldn't be in business if they weren't right extremely often. And they have a lower implied team total, meaning they're projected to score fewer points than the Zach Wilson-led Jets and the Desmond Ritter-led Falcons. Horrific teams. And going in, like being a road team, going into San Francisco and playing that defense, yeah, that's like that's what's going to do it for you, even though obviously the Cowboys are a better offense and a better team than the two teams I just named. But that gives us a pretty low starting point for the team. And for me, that means you still play the studs, obviously. You're still playing CD. You're still playing Tony Pollard. But I want nothing to do with, like, Jake Ferguson, who's running around on, like, roughly two-thirds of the team's dropbacks. And Michael Gallup has shown well in the past two weeks. He didn't do anything through the first two weeks. Now he's earning targets at a higher clip, both on a per-route and a per-team pass temp basis. But it's he's not seeing the ball enough where this low of a team total... Nah, it's not going to do it for me. So it's just the guys you want to play. Don't go off the reservation in any way, almost. Jake Ferguson, by the way, is looking like kind of like a sell to me. And especially Brandon Cooks kind of getting wrapped back into form. And Denny, Michael Gallup, two straight really good stat lines. What can you tell us about the non-CD Lamb Cowboys pass catchers? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to get through this quickly. But did you say you don't want anything to do with Ferguson, Kyle? No, why would like he's running like two thirds of the team's routes? He's like the team's third or fourth receiver, and they literally are projected to score fewer NFL actual points than Zach Wilson and Desmond Ritter. All right. I do think Ferguson has already peaked because at first, when you look at the box scores, like wow, seven targets three times. I didn't know he was 30th in routes though. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, this guy is the greatest per route tight end in the NFL. Sure. Keep, keep betting on that. Good luck. Yeah. 
Okay, so my fancy stats were that only Travis Kelsey has a higher targets per route run rate than than Ferguson. It's uh, Jacob Conquo season, folks. And, this is, uh, it's, it's a very no difference, no difference between good and bad things. Kelsey, Jake Ferguson, targets per route run are the same. They're the same. And feeling very all, cheeky with it. Only only four uh, tight ends have a have more first read targets. I don't know. What do you want from me? All right. I'll say, uh, I'll say to to Denny's point. Uh, even if the targets per outrun comes down, it will. He's not as good as Travis Kelsey. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Say it comes down a lot. Part of the reason he hasn't run a ton of routes is the thing Pat pointed out where they're not like Cooper Rush has played in like two or three of this team's games. This will obviously, well, obviously it is very unlikely to be one of those type of games. So you will probably get more routes despite a lower target per route. That's run. a really and good tight point. End is dreadful. Tight end this is, is a dreadful. Good point of course, his this- yeah, every- his five catches for 50 yards is going to make them tight end three overall because no one's going to score any points. So I may have overstepped a little bit with Ferguson. He's going to regress in some stats. He's going to get more routes, though. That's fair to say. Uh, real quick, Gallup over the past two games leading Cooks in all categories uh, has the highest yeah. yards per route run among all Dallas pass catchers by a huge margin. So he is he is do- doing stuff. You might start him uh, if you have multiple flexes to fill this week. 49ers pass catchers, uh, Debo Samuel, still very, very banged up. Really don't know why he played last week. Brandon Ayuk is ascending. Denny Carter, uh, I don't know. This is actually for, I was going to ask Kyle about this, but you have a thought there. Well, uh, Brandon Ayuk was front and center in the reg- regression files because, folks, he's averaging one fantasy point per route run so far through four weeks, which uh, I'm going to say is not sustainable. Um, I saw somewhere that every one of his catches has been a first down or a touchdown. That's incredible. Like he is, yeah. that's gotta be like the highest EPA. Like it's the highest fantasy points, but it's also like the highest EPA per catch. Like he is doing so much in terms of his utility to the team, but as any points out, like these things can only exist for so long. Just to give you an idea, like over his career, he's averaged about 0.44 fantasy points per route. So that's going to come, that's going to come down eventually. I don't know if it's this week, but he's, he's running stupid hot right now. Just, just think it, could stay kind of unsustainably high just because the way the offense is designed, the attention Christian McCaffrey attracts, the attention Debo Samuel attracts, the attention George Kittle attracts. He just could be the beneficiary of all these all pros. George Kittle's crushing an attention per route run. In fantasy points, not not so much. But George Kittle doesn't have a single red zone target this year. Looking into it very, very powerfully. The Jets, prone. I cannot talk or read today. The Jets. (laughs) Probe the limits of the Broncos' world historic awful defense as they arrive in Denver as one and a half point dogs. Denny Carter, fire up our Jets? Question mark. Robert Sala has pledged more Brees Hall involvement. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I really just desperately don't want to bore people. Just take it from me: the Broncos are horrible in every defensive metric. Okay, like. You, you do. You need to start Garrett Wilson. You need, and this is the one time you can do it and feel good about it and not have, not have a pit in your stomach and say, Oh God, am I going to get anything out of these guys? You're going to get something. This is what I can report to you very happily. You're going to get something from Brees Hall. You're going to get something from Garrett Wilson. There's no, no limit, no snap limit for, for Brees Hall. That's good. Go ahead, Kyle. Alan Lazard is playable. That's how Lazard. bad the Broncos are. I would never in a million years. I don't think I drafted this guy once. And even with Rogers, I'm just saying, I was like, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not playing that guy. Uh, yeah, this defense is on pace to be like historically, like truly in, in some metrics, they could be the worst defense that has ever graced the NFL. It worked for Justin Fields to a remarkable degree. It's, it's probably going to work for Zach Wilson. 
Also, Sean Payton said this week they're going to focus on giving playing time to the young guys, a.k.a. tanking. Oh, man. I actually missed that comment. Hell yeah. Marvin Mims now going to be up to six routes per game. <laughs> you said we're going to get something. Yards for Mims. You said we're going to get something from the Jets skill players. We did get something in week four, which is interesting. We, I think we've found what bottom was for the Jets. And maybe things can kind of only go up from here. And they're going to go up against the Broncos. The real question will be what happens after they're done playing the worst defense in the NFL. Denny, will Julio McLaughlin just slide straight in for Javante Williams? If he remains out with his quad injury, he has yet to resume practicing. It seems like he seems like kind of a one-for-one replacement, right? Samaj Pirine was the 1A last week, but again, we talked about that maybe more to do with it being mid-game. You're going to trust the veteran, of course, yeah. over the undrafted rookie. Do we think Jaleel slides in as a one-for-one this week? No, I don't I don't think one-for-one, one, but it, it, last week against the whoever they played, the Bears, uh, McLaughlin ran six routes. He caught three passes, one for a touchdown. Uh, so I do think the 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 goal is, and and he he was uh, near the top in uh, first read targets. So I, I do think that the team wants to get him the ball in space without out of space, whatever, whatever. Like they just need, they want to get him the ball. He is a a sneaky fast guy. I think that you can play him uh, if you are if you're kind of desperate at running back, and maybe I am in some leagues. Um, and, uh, uh, but Samaj P Ryan is, I don't think is playable really. Uh, he's been, he's been bad and the team clearly, uh, like I said, look, I think the team wants to focus on the, on the young guys. I don't think that they're going to be hammering Samaj P Ryan into the jets line this week. Sean Payton does contain multitudes, I will say, yeah. and that he could be uh, embark on a youth movement that also somehow involves 18 Samaj P Ryan touches yeah. any Broncos receivers to care about in this game. Still a pretty tough Jets defense not getting any separation between Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, the aforementioned Marvin Mims. I think Sutton is kind of a PPR scammy type guy. Um, he's uh, Ben Gretsch of Stealing Signals calls him the new slant boy. Uh, so I think, <laughs> I, think, I think that fits. Michael Thomas is suing for copyright infringement. Jimmy Garoppolo returns for Devontae Adams' Monday night football revenge date with the Packers, Kyle. At least that's what I wrote before I saw Jimmy Garoppolo still in the concussion protocol. Uh, but we will start with the Green Bay Packers. Was Jordan Love exposed in week four? Yeah, I mean, we saw in the first two games. Just say it, he got Bears. exposed. <laughs> kind of. But, I mean, it's what his, like, the first, you know, it's his first season as a starter. Sure, he's been a backup. He's gotten uh, one, maybe two starts before this year. He's a rookie plus, essentially. So, of course, in his first two games when he plays two dreadful defenses, I think he scored six total touchdowns and did not throw a single interception. In the past two weeks, plays significantly better defenses. Went from bottom five, bottom ten defenses to top ten defenses in a bunch of metrics. And two interceptions, or three interceptions, I think only two touchdowns, plus maybe a rushing one if I remember correctly. He looked bad against good defenses. He looked good against bad defenses. That's probably true of, like, most quarterbacks who would rank somewhere between QB 12 and QB 20, you know, give or take, guess what he gets this week? Quite the bad defense. So it is a good spot for him. I don't think he's even close to being an every week starter, but like the Raiders opponent is an every week starter unless they're truly terrible. Denny on the other side of the ball, did we finally get what we needed from Josh Jacobs last week? We're, we're not going to get eight catches every week, but no. we hadn't gotten a pop up in like any one area where Last the usage was so insane with Josh Jacobs last year that any given week you're getting some sort of pop up like two touchdowns or 25 carries or six catches, and this the Raiders have been so bad that 
that just wasn't happening. But we saw the Packers really come back down to earth last week. Yeah. We got what we needed from Josh Jacobs. Can we get what we need again this week? Yeah. So in, in three games in which the Raiders were not blown out this year, uh, Jacobs has 66 touches over those three games. That's a lot. Uh, targeted, obviously, 11 times in week four. Now, I think that was more of a product of Aiden O'Connell being under center. We're not going to probably see that with uh, Jimmy G if he is uh, going to play. play. Sorry, go ahead. I said if he does play, Jimmy G. If he does play, yeah. Uh, you know, Jacobs is sixth in rushes inside the 10-yard line among all running backs. And the Packers are the league's most extreme run-funnel defense, folks, allowing the sixth-highest EPA per rush. So if the Raiders can establish it, I think they will. Uh, real quick, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, fiascos in week four. They're both coming back from injury. Both were clearly snap counted. Information that would have been good to know at the time, that kind of thing. Also something we should have maybe assumed. The good news is they escaped without setbacks. They've had 11 extra days to heal up. Can we trust them more for week five? And what is a very, very good matchup, as you guys have said? Yeah, I think the the on-ramp of a good matchup is really what puts it over the edge. Do I think we get the full workload for either of them? They might still take another week to fully ramp up, but if they're at 75% of the usage we saw last year just on an average game for both of them versus this defense, yeah, you're playing them. The Eagles and their struggling past events visit Matthew Stafford's Rams with Cooper Cup returning. He's practicing in full, doesn't seem to be any doubt about his status. That's the obvious place to begin, Denny. Or, and listening to the show, I've heard us really, I've beaten the subject to death, but what are the expectations for Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup coexisting in this offense that is looking a lot better than it did in 2022? I think I think they can, uh, and, and I think they will. I think it'll be probably a, a tightly condensed target tree for the Rams between Nakua and Cup. I could see it being a little closer than Cup drafters might want it to be. Uh, I just don't, I don't think like Naku is not going any, anywhere. It's not, it's not like he's suddenly not going to be a thing. Um, I, I do think that cup being back in the offense could also be good for all the pass catchers, the entire offense really, because the Rams have been very conservative in the red zone and particularly inside the 10 yard line, very run heavy. Traditionally, Sean McVay has been very pass heavy in that part of the field, especially with, with cup and Stafford. Uh, as the kind of the engines of the offense, so uh, we we could get back to that, which which would be would be good for for everyone. Uh, I think both Cup and Nakua are top what top twelve options, top fifteen. I'd say right there, top Baker's dozen is really kind of what I keep coming down to. I've had someone I haven't had either of them below thirteen right uh, this week. So top as very common metric, top Baker's dozen receivers this week. <laughs> Damn, all the Zoomers are... For some up. reason, Baker's can't just do a dozen, really? Is this, you really have well, the, the, the extra one was like, uh, and here's one for the homies. Like, you know, let's yeah. give you a free one. Sorry. I guess Sorry. Actually, I shouldn't complain about one of the only good, like, neighborly things Americans do. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, Pat wants to optimize the baking experience. Yeah, we are. If I wanted 13 donuts, I'd uh, and I disappear into a cloud of smoke because there is no punchline to that joke. Um, and but Americans, I actually, wonder why we're not going to make our time limit on this show. Yeah. By the way, Americans actually are very neighborly. I don't know why I said that. Um, my neighbors are very, very nice to me. Dallas Goddard slumping Kyle Dvorak, 13 catches, 88 scoreless yards, has exceeded 25 yards one time in four games. This is more of a comment than a question. Uh, <laughs> Do you have anything to say about this? 
<laughs> I mean, they are, uh, they're just not using him nearly as much on screens and his bread and butter is getting very short scheme targets and doing a ton with them. Last year, he averaged over seven yards after the catch per reception. It was, it's, it was unsustainable, but he has generally been very strong in that metric throughout his career. Last year, in I think he played only 12 games, he had 174 yards on screens. This year, through four games, he has three single digits, the number three yards on screens. <laughs> we love our like, number three, don't we, folks? <laughs> so they're just not getting him the ball in a way that is extremely advantageous for him, which is what they've done throughout his career. So I, I think that probably changes at some points. I think this is... A generally a well-coached team, but it also shouldn't be overlooked that they lost their offensive coordinator and all of a sudden the perfect touches for this player who's really good at those touches, they're not as much involved. I think that's probably just a leak in the play calling, but I'm not sure that leak ever gets plugged. I, I think they're smart and it should, but this is concerning. I'm, I would, if we're redrafting today, I have him way lower than I would have. It's not a thing where I, I see it coming back to where it was last year. Uh, real quick, Nick Sirianni said this week that the team, or that Goddard is, quote, still a part of the plan. For the offense, he said, uh, Sirianni said, we need to get him the football. Sometimes there's a dry spell in there uh, with with what's kind of going on right now. There are some different things that defenses are concerned with Dallas that has affected some of the touches he's gotten. It's a bit of both. So hmm. I, I don't really. I, I'm not sure I, how to I, parse that, Coach. That doesn't necessarily sound like squeaky wheel talk to me. No. Well, Goddard is not squeaking because, first of all, he's a tight end and tight ends don't squeak. And, and, uh, but, but it sounds like Sirianni is aware that he, that people are asking more, many, many are asking what, where people are looking into it very, very powerfully. Oh, I mean, you were done talking. Oh, sorry. Yes, I am. (laughs) That's all I got on Goddard. Uh, this is, I've been, I've been ragged today. Uh, real quick, Denny, three straight games of 17 plus touches for DeAndre Swift after, for some reason, he got two touches in week one, locked in RB1 question mark. Yes, uh, Rams are the third most extreme run funnel defense. And when teams tell the, the Eagles when they say, hey, hey, I dare you guys to run the ball, but you can't do it. The Eagles say, yes, we will do it 100 times. And so uh, I think uh, I think Swift could see a lot of volume here. The Rams can be attacked on the ground. The Steelers host the Ravens as four-point underdogs in a total that is 38 would really hate to be a four-point underdog in a game with a 38 total. It says a lot of really good things about my offense, Kyle Demorchik. What, if anything, do we care about in this game? One of the grimmest outings yet of a 2023 season that's had a lot of sub-40 total games. Yeah, we'll see what the – really, I'm curious. We have to get another practice reports on what we get from Odell Beckham. He ran 100% of the routes in week one and was dinged up by the next week, I believe. And at this point, I I'm, I'm don't even have any optimism for Rashad Bateman. Whenever he comes back, it's probably as a part-time player, which makes sense with his injury history and lines up with how they used him to start the year. So maybe watch out for what Odell Beckham does. Other than that, it's who you expect. It's Lamar Mark Andrews, obviously starters in your fantasy lineup, that is. Say Flowers also still being seeing the ball typically enough, especially as a portion of his team's past attempts. You're playing him, though, in this kind of game environment, you're playing him because maybe he gets in the end zone because the Ravens are a generally sound passing attack. The floor is not there in this kind of game, but we have bye weeks. He's probably still a guy you put in the flex. Other side of the football, Jordan Pickens still seeing a ton of air yards, a ton of targets. That's good enough to get points on the board, even with, you know, it's probably going to be picket at quarterback. Maybe we'll see Darnell Washington. Pat Fryer is out for a few weeks. You're not playing Darnell Washington, but he's like six, seven, he's like six, seven, 260 yeah. some pounds. One of the he's- best athletes to ever grace us. I'm excited to see him. I'm not playing him fantasy, but I want to see him. 
Kyle, as you would typically say, Darnell Washington is large. Large. <laughs> He's capital O large. He's very, very large. <laughs> Denny, final thought on this game. Najee Harris is. Yeah, that's funny. He's, he's exposing Jalen Warren. Let's just be honest. Oh, God. He, he, okay. Yes. Yes. Najee Harris, who had the lowest rushing success rate of week four, is exposing Jalen Warren. Yes. It's true. <laughs> he's exposing uh, him. I mean, look, Najee has, Najee has been way better, probably because he doesn't have like pieces of metal in his foot this year, which I think is, is a plus analytically. Uh, um, uh, but you know, I guess you're starting them. Um, I I I have to start Warren in one league because I'm down horrifically. Oof. So yeah, yeah I know. How's that zero RB thing working out for you now, pal? <laughs> so, yeah, I think you can go ahead and pencil in own five, Denny. Where's my God now? Is the is the question I would ask myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. The answer is I don't know. <laughs> there is no God in this place. Uh all right, uh, we should probably move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not here. It's, I, I mean, you, you, you got to start them. Hope for a touchdown. The zero RB God is dead. The Bengals visit the Cardinals. A shocking three-point favorite. Shocking is that how can the Bengals only be three-point favorites against the Arizona Cardinals? Denny Carter. Joe Burrow does claim he's finally feeling healthier. They're putting on a real brave face. So he's healthy. Like, I know that three days ago he couldn't move at all, but he's healthy now. It's, it's crazy. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. He is claiming he's feeling healthy, though. Cardinals allow over eight yards per pass attempt. Is this the beginning of the comeback, Denny Carter? I mean, it could be. I, I The only thing I can come up with here, first of all, if you have Burrow and redraft, I really think you, even though this is a good spot, theoretically, you need to look elsewhere. I think I, think I would need to see it. I didn't draft Joe Burrow anywhere because, I don't know, he had a terribly injured calf. Okay, so that's one thing I didn't do. <laughs> Well, that um, would have been nice to know. Check, check <laughs> I mean, so we, we did know about that. Okay. I just, I felt like that was pretty, I felt like it was pretty easy. Like, oh, this guy can't move anymore. So I might as well not draft him. Uh, so, uh, it, you know, get Jordan Love for this week. Uh, I'm trying to think of other waiver wire guys. <laughs> I would uh, play Joe Burrow over Jordan Love this okay. week. Okay. Okay. I would play I Love. I'm concerned I, Joe Jordan Love is not good. Have you seen Joe Burrow's numbers? Oh, this guy's know, man. <laughs> I, I think we're getting 250 and two. I, Joe, Joey Burrow this week, and I'm okay. not counting on that okay. any game from Jordan. But I have to see it. I gotta see I'm it. Very, very, I rank him pretty low. I ranked him extremely not fair close point to a QB one. It probably is the correct approach to Joe Burrow to believe it when you see it at this point. Um, I actually I, think that's a very fair point. I also think this is a spot against a terrible Arizona run defense that they could just establish the hell out of it with Mixon. That that is one one thought I've had. For the Cardinals, kind of status quo. James Conner is hanging RB2 tough. Marquise Brown, supposed to be a big play threat when he came to the NFL. All this guy does is catch eight-yard passes. Yeah. <laughs> One surprise has been Michael Wilson. Again, not a surprise in that – I'm sorry to mention this every week, but Johnny Venerable came on our podcast, talked about how much they loved him. That's proven very prophetic. He seems to have leaped. Rondale Moore is the number two wide receiver. Kyle, is it Michael Wilson's season yet? Yeah, Wilson's run just slightly more routes than Rondale Moore, but he's getting targeted on a higher per route basis. He's also obviously running a little bit more routes, and he is getting the ball farther downfield, as you might expect. Rondale Moore remains just purely a three-yard scheme touch kind of player. He's good at that, but that's not the most fantasy valuable thing. Uh, he's uh, kind of like a Swiss Army knife guy. So when your other option is Michael Wilson, who is a legit outside receiver, yeah, he's going to see the ball a decent bit. It's actually an offense that's been pretty solid too. They're above average in points per game. They're top 10 in EPA per play. Like part of it is they just don't make mistakes. Really, they're doing a good job at 
at bringing out the best of Josh Dobbs and not letting him turn the ball over, not taking sacks. He's doing that really well himself as well. So I think because the offense looks more than competent, they legitimately look good. It's so like, I don't, I feel like I need to caveat it, but they look good, not elite, but good enough. I'm playing their number two receiver as a flex option. I don't know that there's a ton of upside here, but I'm taking Michael Wilson as like a top 36, top 40 type of receiver. Wow. I'm not quite there yet. I would say top 50. I would say getting into the top 48, AKA wide receiver four, probably doing to see one more game for Michael. Man, Kyler Murray hero ball is going to be a real wake up call for this offense, isn't it? Um, Uh, I have have news for you. Uh, Josh Jobs not going anywhere. Oh, come Stop. Just stop. Stop. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Look, the, 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 the players are going to want to play for Josh Jobs. No one wants to play for Kyler Murray. It does seem like that, but I will say he had only played his entire career with Cliff Kingsbury, who looking like maybe he didn't know what he was doing. And that I would like to see some Kyler Murray. Jonathan Gannon's not the offensive coordinator, but I would like to see some Kyler Murray under Jonathan Gannon before we finally de- declare, formally right. declare it Jover. It does seem like the locker room, Kyler's not their favorite guy. I mean, look, they're responding. They're responding to that dog under center. He's a dog. Josh Dobbs is the dog levels. It's been a while since we've seen dog levels. Oh, I love it. I mean, I love they're going to win this week. It's great. Stop. (laughs) Stop. What? They're not going to win. You think that the Bengals can hang with the Cardinals? No. (laughs) I do. I do. do. Imagine telling this to like August 15th us. I mean, I know. I get, you know, they're, they're favored. So I'd say if you made me pick, take the Bengals. But like, I think a lot of, I mean, the line that they're favored is still regressing, obviously, to Joe Burrow's history. If Joe Burrow looks like he does this year again, they will probably lose. He has been dreadful. He's last in the NFL in yards per attempt, last in touchdown rate. He's awful. Guess what? They're not only going to win. They're going to cover three points. Right, well, we'll, have to, we'll have to come up with a friendly bet. Friendly bet. That's how good the Bengals are. The New England Patriots host the New Orleans Saints as one-point favorites and. I almost just did the snoring joke that I do. I was just gonna act like oh, I fell asleep oh, reading what a this horrible thing. game. God. Kyle, last week was a disaster for Derek Carr and the Saints' passing game. Turns out you need a shoulder to be an NFL quarterback. <laughs> who knew? Any hope of a Week Five rebound for Derek Carr and Chris Olave, who was cooking with gasoline, uh, did absolutely nothing in Week Four. Yeah, I think you just need the shoulder to get better. I think it's a Burrow situation where, like, at some point, it probably will get better. The fact that he's playing through it now means that it probably isn't going to limit him throughout the year. I, I say this probably. I don't know for sure. But it's somewhat of a – you weren't playing car anyway, so I guess it doesn't have to be a see-it-believe-it situation. But for just the health of the offense, yeah, at some point, we just have to see a better performance from Carr. And it's – purely health-based. Like he was playing decent through the first three weeks. And then in week four, we saw his lowest target depth, his worst PFF passing grade, and just overall the team's worst performance. It'll turn around at some point, And Olave sees the ball enough, both in terms of targets and air yards, that even with the banged up Derek Carr, you're still playing. You've downgraded what you expect from him, but not to the point where he's not in your lineup. But yeah, after that, it's I'm, I'm not playing like Michael Thomas this week. I have no interest in whatever they roll out a tight end. It's it's Chris Olave and Kamara, and that's that's it for me. No Shahid. Yep, the Kamara thing, 13 catches, safe to say that won't be happening again. But Jamal Williams is on injured reserve at least two more games, I believe. They don't have any interest in Kendra Miller. It doesn't matter if Alvin Kamara is healthy or not. They clearly do not think the young man is ready. Tony Jones was not involved in week four. We know we're not getting 13 Kamara catches, but it's like 20 plus touch Kamara. Is that, is that still who we're getting? Danny yeah. Carter? 
I think so. I think I think it would be an upset if he doesn't see 20 touches here, and that's very dumb and bad uh, for for the Saints. Uh, <laughs> and the the Saints not not the brightest organization. They're going to hammer Kamara into the line over and over and over. They're going to give him a bunch of stupid screens, and the whole offense is going to revolve around Kamara, and they're going to stink. And they're they stink. Uh, wow. And and uh, you know and so Any, yeah, good luck. How how do you really feel? Yeah, good luck, Saints fans. I want to wish you good luck this year because now you stink. You got Kamara back, so you're terrible now. Oh, no, man. I mean, because oh, this, this is we've got Jenny in week fifteen form already. <laughs> Jenny's he's had it up to here. That, that, that's all they <laughs> they have Olave, and they don't care. They don't they don't care anymore. They, oh well, we, we have Kamara back. We can we can make we can give give him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and have him lose twelve yards. 12 yards and that's our main play on offense. That's what we're going to do from here on out. Hoping it was the shoulder related, but it was alarming. I think we've already talked about this in the pod this week, but Ramondre Stevenson concern where the usage is actually mostly fine. The the Zeke rumors continue to not come true. Zeke is one of these guys now every week, like Roshan Johnson, but for some reason <laughs> someone's leaking to Mike Garofalo. Zeke's going to get the ball more. Oh and then he gosh. just never does. Oh, uh, Can I just say, I know we're running way over we're actually not. We're good. We're good. Watching Zeke stand on the sideline by himself during the Cowboys game, doing the spoon motion while the while the team is down three scores. <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. I gotta before. find this. I haven't seen this. Believe before. that's what you would call uh, down horrific. <laughs> he has no self awareness. Like you had, he hasn't been good literally in five years, and he's still going. Feed me, feed me. No Ooh, one wants to feed you. No one. Bill Belichick will never just feed Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> ba- Bailey Zappi was warming up on the sideline as Zeke was doing that, I assume. Yeah. yeah wow, and, oh, oh they got to feed me, brother. Yeah, come really, really grim scenes out of Boston, Massachusetts so far this year. Um, Pats fans have quite literally never had to deal with it. I don't know. Are we concerned about Ramondre or no? Should we just end the show? I mean, you have to start them, but you're not getting anything out of them. So, you know, congratulations. I love that. So I'm not love sure it. that sounds like someone you have to start. You got to do it. You got to, yeah, got to do it. And it's going to be horrible. So Thank you. Getting team. you 16 touches for 38 yards. Scoreless yeah. in a here. <laughs> yeah. Find me someone else. <laughs> he is a home favorite this week. Maybe he'll actually score a. Uh, you're right. It's a good spot. He's going to score a tutter. Oh, the show's over. By the way, I meant to give a shout out to my friend uh, Bob Dylan, who I saw playing concert last night in St. Louis. You did? I did. Thank you for coming to STL, Bob. That's very cool. Very cool. Avid listener, Bob, I, I assume. That's why you're shouting out. Yeah, he is, Bob. He's never <laughs> missed an app. He's never missed an app of the RFS, as he I've, calls it. I've heard of him. Yeah, it was, no, yeah, it was a great show. Check it out. Anytime you can be in the room with a living legend, it's worth whatever yeah, it costs. Very cool. and, uh, very cool. I like how you end the show. We usually promote, you know, like I have a waiver wire calling. It's a great show. Check it out. You're just telling people to go see Bob Dylan, wherever they are. Just find him. Re- re- really quick, Denny. Is Bob Dylan the most important American cultural figure since Mark Twain? Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, think so. Uh, I was thinking about this last night. I think I, I, I can't think, you know, um, Either him or, or Taylor Swift. I don't really know which oh, one. Taylor, just stop. She's having a, her moment. <laughs> sure, sure, her moment has been 10 to 12 years. But yeah. um, at some point, moments do end. But Taylor Swift's moment is never ending. I, I, do, I do think Bob Dylan would have been more legendary if he would have died 40 years ago. No, that's actually not true. No. Uh, 
No, because he's had it both ways where he had he the epochal early era of his career and then just the still like the juggernaut train never stops era. And we're going to talk. I don't, a Zoomer, I don't know if Bob Dylan's it. I don't think he's had the impact on my life the way that I'm sure you guys can name other Give you know time. bands, actors, etc. That from like from your guys's uh, what like the he's not at all from our generation. He's not from our generation. <laughs> no, no, we're not that old, Kyle. Um, My parents are too young for Bob Dylan. Yeah, so he's not that old, Kyle. And the show is too old. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's over. Check out the regression files. Check out Kyle's thirty-two stats. Check out my rankings. Check out Waiver Wired next week. Check out the Sunday Aftermath Monday. Go back and listen to some old episodes. We've had good talks all week. Zach Kruger's got great stuff on the site. Lawrence Jackson has great stuff on the site. Mark Garcia has a Millie Maker breakdown. Mm-hmm. Just endless good stuff. Sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. For Kyle Dvorak, for Danny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.